Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me, we got David. Your favorite horror version, hopefully. <laughs> I love that it's always hopefully. <laughs> also known as Nightly, and we are finally all together, rounding out the, the, I was going to say quartet, but we're not a quartet. We are not. We are just triplets. We are just, we're just <laughs> triplets. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's, it's, uh, it's like we've been lost at sea. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, that was terrible. It's aquatic horror month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we got Freddy running out us, keeping it spoopy. Always interfered forever. Also known as Nighty Night, we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question: Why horror? So sit back. Uh, oh god, I always mess this up when I don't read it right. <laughs> so hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. Now, like with a what? By pleasure on Patreon, you have access to this show ad free and as early as Monday with a post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And before we even really genuinely get started here, I want to actually thank our patrons. Um, and I know I promised that I was going to do this every month and things just got fucking chaotic as all hell, but I'm going to now bake it into the show. So I remember <laughs> instead of recording it earlier. So without further ado, I want to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to our ghoulish knights, Taylor Paris, Jessica, Erica, Sandy, Jared, uh, Petra, Jasmine, Chantel, Rio, Mark, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, Eric, Dave, Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. You're welcome. <laughs> my grandma, Yvonne, and my mom, Lola. Thank you all so much for just keeping the whole lights on during this whole time. We appreciate it. And if you, by any means, want to also go ahead and help us out, Please go ahead and do so. We also actually have a coffee donation that is KO-FI. Um, if you would prefer to just kind of assist us that way and not pay monthly or anything like that, that is also fine as well. But thank you so much for everyone who's just been honestly way too kind and generous sharing their hard-earned money with us. We truly are insanely grateful thank you thank yes. you so much thank you but we are ending things off with our aquatic horror month also coin there is no planet b which means that our donation is also going to be ending as well very soon with the surf rider foundation if you by any means want to still donate you still 100 can the site is still there our donation um, page is still up by all means, you could still do that. It's going to be up for another four months or so. So you got a, a nice little chunk of time to still donate if you want to donate. But thank you all so much. This has been a fucking blast of a month. I it loved has. it. This month has been great. Um, but rounding things out, we are going to be talking ghost ship. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts? Man, this movie is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? It uh, is. I think I think this movie is inconsistent with itself, especially with its characters, um, and that bothered me. But I, I feel like I always say this, but I feel like I uh, didn't regret watching it. It's one of those things that I can watch during the afternoon uh, and kind of have on in the background. Um, I think what really got me was these characters would contradict themselves. They would say 
something and do the complete opposite. Uh, the premise is cool. I see where they're going for it. There is cool moments. Um, but yeah, man, these characters, I think, bring it down for me. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Was it like the acting yeah. or was it the characteristics? I think it's just, the, like I said, the character, the characters themselves are just not in tune with how they really are. So you'll have someone like Epps that'll say like, we got to get out of here. Do you understand that? And then she will literally do the opposite of what she just stated to do. And but go, wait, we need to stay. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's... And I'm going to try to say this as least as possible, right? But, like, I think this movie is definitely a product of its time. There are lines that um, that have aged poorly and <laughs> that are – it's like you, you, you hear the lines that are being portrayed and stated and they're so – I don't want to say basic. They're so just – Boring. They don't play any risks, like right? A little stale. Everything's all surface level and nothing. Really yeah, I mean, but like into it, the conversation is like this is just a normal back and forth, and that's it. You have a lot of lines that like you've heard hundreds of times before in other films, right? right. And I think um, Murphy's character is a big uh, component of that. It's like I've seen stuff, yeah. things you wouldn't even understand, right? And that's such a cheesy line yeah. and like a basic line that you a lot of films. Such a, such a one-liner. Exactly. Um, and there's a lot of that throughout the A lot of that film. in Leviathan. <laughs> what was that? A lot of that in Leviathan. That's, That's true. But the thing <laughs> is, Leviathan's 89 and this is 2002, right? I mean, yeah. It was a lot of that too and in, in just in the thousands, I guess, in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I text these guys um, <laughs> before the show so I was like, I'm going to do my best to not constantly just say throughout the episode, man, this movie is so early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, yes, You're it not is. wrong. It is. Um, I wouldn't recommend this to to most people. I would recommend this to people where they they may feel like they've they watch way more horror than the average person, and if they just want to add more to their repertoire, like give it a shot. It's not like it's not that a terrible sense. watch. Uh, it's cool to see what they do, but uh, don't expect to be blown out of the water. <laughs> These fucking puns, <laughs> Freddie. What about you? What did you um, think? I'm kind of in the middle. I like I like this movie, but at the same time, I know about all of the flaws, and I feel exactly the same way you feel about this like characterization yeah. with everyone too, where they kind of contra- uh, contradict themselves multiple times. It's like we need to get off. No, we need to stay. Yeah. I need to do this, but I'm going to go do that, and it just kind of falls flat in the storyline. I feel like the writing is kind of a little sloppy. It's not written so well where it's going to have good deep layers of who these characters are, or nor do I care about these people. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have Epps as kind of like one of the main characters, and I feel like she is probably the one that you care about the most. But at the same time, even her decisions are not the best. And you're kind of like, do I like this character as much as I should? Or I think you put it perfectly, too. The movie itself is a good background movie. Yeah. And I have to say, it's not very scary, at least for me in my eyes. I find it as like an action thriller that has horror elements. Yeah. And it falls to like the whole entire thing of going through the tropes that we have seen a hundred times before. And it's been done a lot better. Yeah. And I, I just want to make things clear with my statement of like a background movie. Like, I don't mean that in like a no, that's not way. A thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, Cause no, like there, sometimes like, yo, know, when I think of background movies, like I think about like, it's a nice sunny breezy day. I got the front door open. Maybe I'm cleaning and then having this right. movie on the TV. Right. Pop it on like, really quick. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I do that with many films. Like, yeah, you know, I know you yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I think this opening of this film is gnarly and yeah, yeah, it's 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 what's known for for sure. Honestly. Yeah, and it felt it felt like you want to watch this movie just for that moment. Yes. Um, yes, yes, it is, and it's so funny because it goes into this like crazy multi kill scene, and it's quick and it's like the cuts it's that vicious. are done. Yeah, the cuts that are done, not the literal cuts on the people, but right, the, right, right. Cinematography the, the cinematography cuts. cuts. Yeah are done so well that you don't see the age of the special effects or anything because they cut at uh, the right times where it's like you feel the impact of it, right? Um, You do have a lot of flash sequences that are very much known in the early 2000s, but it plays to its favor in the beginning of this film. But later on, they kind of drench the movie with it a lot and it kind of ages itself. Um, I think it's interesting, though, that you open up with this really gnarly like kill sequence scene and then it flips to like a ocean fast and furious vibes with everything (laughs) being super like edgy and alternative and like like whoa that was a big shift so i think that's where (laughs) it kind of was drawing for me that's fair uh and and i'm i'm right there with some people on this i think this movie i know what this movie is i i I know this movie is not cinema um but I love this movie. I think this movie is just so much fun. I have fun every single time I watch it. And is it good by any means? No. Definitely not a good movie. And I know it's not a good movie. And I would never say this is a good movie. But it is a blast. I have so much fun with this movie. But I put on our screen here that uh, uh, this is by Steve Beck. You know, I actually also thought about 13 that. Ghosts. Yeah, when I was watching right. this, I was thinking about 13 Ghosts. Yeah, and you get that correlation a lot for yeah. 13 Ghosts. And in, in my opinion, yes, 13 Ghosts is better. But with 13 Ghosts being better, I, I do think that he tried to utilize a lot of his camera tricks and his direction in 13 Ghosts to translate to Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Yeah, it, it, just, yeah. it didn't have that same vibe. Um, the ship felt small when 13 ghosts house felt big and that's what i was gonna say i think the the thing that made 13 ghosts and those those camera tricks work out so well was the interest intricacies of like the atmosphere of the house and that environment right Right. it's so interesting and it's something that isn't tied down to its era not to say like whoa fucking abandoned ships so 2002 right but like (laughs) it you you can go at it and seeing how out of this world 13 ghost is whereas um it's tough to do that with ghost ship because it immediately feels aged with the the performance of the characters along with i guess the cinematography itself with those flashy cuts and all that and as it gets deeper into the movie like you see more and more in that so uh not that that's a bad thing right like I'm not trying to say like, oh, early 2000s. You don't sucks. have you don't have to protect yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I do, I do want to make that clear, but yeah, like, no, they they know what you mean. Yeah, don't worry. It's one of those movies that doesn't stay really contained in its own tone. It kind of flip flops a lot. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I find what makes this movie so great in my eyes would like the the part where like I really like it. it's like it acts like an action movie sometimes, and yeah. sometimes you just need those fun elements in the movie to make it enjoyable and just popcorn fun. Rather than watching something a little bit more serious that we've been watching stuff like that. Because obviously we seen a movie earlier this month that I really, really liked. And it was really well written. And that was Triangle. Yeah, Triangle's fucking and rad. 
of course, it's about like an abandoned ship. They go mm-hmm. on board. Some spooky things happen. Same kind of concept. It's just two completely different movies. Oh, absolutely. They're the same type of location. Yeah, absolutely. Just one's a little bit more contained and knows exactly what it wants to be, where this movie kind of flip-flops on what it really wants to be. It's like action thriller versus psychological versus horror. Yeah. It has a little bit of everything. You bring up an interesting point with Triangle, right? Because I think Triangle's 2009. Um, mm-hmm. And, right. you know, the special effects in that are... Uh, they they show their age, but it doesn't right. take away from it, kind of like this movie does in some aspects. Um, because you watch it and you're like, well, you're giving it a pass because of the time it came out, which is kind of different from what I typically say about movies. Um, because the the plot of it itself is so intriguing that you're just willing to figure out what's going on. Um, I just wonder with Ghost Ship, it's like, who would who would watch it today? that hasn't seen it already. And I think that's my question about it because it's like, and I think that's a good question that we should save for the post show. Let's see. I, I think, yeah. I think that's a good question. I, I do want to dive into that. So keep that question in your memory bank, maybe write it down, but let's jump into the plot. Ghost ship directed by Steve Beck released on October 22nd, 2002. This is Steve Beck's, by the way, his second and last film ever. This was the one that killed his career. Damn. Um, Runtime of one hour and 31 minutes with a budget. Now get the fuck this. A budget of $20 million in a box office of 68.3. Good. Whoa. (laughs) Rating of 16%. Yeah. So is it just just the critics brought this movie down and that's what ended it for him? Everyone did. You know, everyone everyone brought this movie down. Um, but that's the thing. That's the that's the thing about Dark Castle Entertainment. Dark Castle Entertainment just has an endless amount of money for some reason, and I don't know why. But uh, Blumhouse, I feel like, is the new Dark Castle. Yeah, because Blumhouse has also an endless amount of money, and I don't know why. Yeah, but it's in every now and then they'll knock it out of park, hit a gym, like Get Out, or even Paranormal Activity. I would add into that as well. But you got the same thing with this where they had orphan or, or they'll have house on haunted hill which is what kind of started them and i'll even go up to the list here um but they even like have things like getaway and they started making a very odd a range of different types of films some horror some action who knows but then they did splice and ninja assassin and it, it's just a very interesting i guess resume that they have but i mean ghost ship unfortunately didn't knock it out of the park completely uh with the critics but money wise there was like shit we broke success yeah Yeah. we we almost hit a 100 million like that's insane but we open to the pleasant music that sounds like it's straight out of bioshock a woman in red singing italian as a party of party of people are dancing in the ballroom of a large ship they are more there are more people dancing on the deck of the vessel above a little girl, Katie Harwood, is sitting alone playing with a puzzle. A man helps her out with the puzzle before walking off. Another man, Chief Stewart, is handing out drinks to people in the party. The singer, Francesca, calls the group the uh, group people in to dance closer together. The captain of the ship asks for the, for the hand of Katie to dance. Someone pulls the crank, pulling a wire up a, a mechanism that is outside on the deck. As the machine pulls, it snaps the wire, going through the whole party above deck the folks stand still fucking looks awesome yeah. blood surrounding the whole area their bodies begin to drop as it disconnects from their other halves and this is just this is just fantastic that alone 
has set this president of the stage for this movie, which is why I feel like this movie bombed. Yeah, with the critics. I was gonna say that because this opener is huge. It sets it sets the expectation right. Exactly. Like we're gonna open yeah. with this. So, and this is where we're just getting right. started. And, Nothing and, meets and, that expectation afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And 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 what's a bummer is that you're expecting to get some really creative kills now. Yeah, because like you got a, a fucking wire kill of a whole party which is magnificent. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get these blase kills. Yeah. And that's that's where I'm kind of bummed out about it all when it comes to this film are how the kills are so bland. Um, because you, you got this really creative kill in the beginning to then these kind of minor kills of someone falling off of an elevator shaft or someone getting crushed in gears, which was still kind of cool, but still. like you you Then you get Murphy who just drowns. Like, it's just like, it's just these kills just didn't seem to match the gusto of that first kill, which Mm -hmm. is a bummer. Katie looks up at the captain, the top portion of his head sliding off from his face, leaving Katie and screams. We fade to black. To present day with the boat crew, Murphy, Greer, Epps, Munder, Santos, and Dodge, trying to steer a widely large boat. Murphy and and Greer are steering their boat and commanding the, the other three. We're outside the boat. Epps links to the other um, boat with uh, that they are tugging. She radios back, letting them know uh, that the boat has a hole and will sink in five minutes. Greer and Murphy tell her to cut it loose, but she won't let up on the boat. She uh, drops down, trying to fix the hole. Munder and Dodge drop down to assist her plug up the hole. And I, I totally see now, like, when you s- mentioned, like, Fast, Fast and the Furious, Furious. Yeah. Like, you totally see, like, their vibe. Their vibe totally is very much that. Yeah. And it's funny because what Fast and the Furious came out this that year, right? 2001. 2001, so a year before. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe they were copying each other. Who knows? I don't know. I think it was just very popular, and it, I think it just stuck. That's what was popular at the time. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. they needed that, like, adrenaline rush. It's like, exactly. let's put in this type of music. We need this type of cuts. She's going to be like, going exactly. down the <laughs> zip line. And then, yeah, <laughs> jump into the water. Letting go of the zip line and just drop. Yeah, it's all about in. race of I mean, time. it was cool. I was just yeah. waiting for them to get back on the bow and then chug some Mountain Dew. And it's all purpose of writing, <laughs> for too. For a commercial, do like, do. Yeah. We give you the time limit. Like, it's only five minutes. You got to get out of there. No, I can do it. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's, it's that type of But she, people liked that back then. Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it was it was a whole adrenaline rush thing. Cut to them in a bar celebrating their salvage. A man at the bar is watching them from across the room. He comes up to them, interrupting them by introducing himself as Jack Ferryman to Murphy, which his name is very fucking clever, which we will talk about a little bit later. Yes. He offers to buy him a drink, Epps chiming in, letting him know uh, that he doesn't drink. Ferryman asks to speak with him alone. Murphy tells him that if, if he would like to speak with him, he has to speak with him in, t- in front of his whole crew. He acknowledges a sharing that the files, uh, the fl- excuse me, sharing that he flies planes, and he pulls out a photo, showing them that he found a ship. Epps is passing around the copies of a photo, sarcastically congratulating him for finding a boat. They all have a laugh. Murphy still hearing him out about his findings, asking if it was uh, in the Bering Strait, asking why he didn't alert the Coast Guard. Ferryman claims that he did, but it is international waters, and they just noted it. Murphy asks Epps about uh, about the size of the boat. She she comments that it um, it is big and could be military. He then asks Ferryman what's in it on for him. Ferryman tells him that he wants twenty percent. Epps asking if he told anyone else about this, and he didn't. Murphy asks um, Murphy's asking him for excuse me. Murphy asks him to give him give them a minute so they can discuss it over. With Ferryman away from the table, they ask him what he thinks. 
He tells his crew that he thinks they should take the opportunity. Greer and Santos reminded him that they uh, of how long they've been out on sea. My ass would have just been like, bruh, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck what's on that shit, man. I'm going home. I got my fiance at home. <laughs> like, I think what's uh, weird about this, too, is they they just continue to proclaim that, like, ship money. And they don't well, really... they're salvagers, ex- right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. It, it seems like this is the only way that they make their money. Yeah, but, I mean, maybe you can't tell from the photos, but, I mean, we we learn later on that the ship is very much uh, decayed and rusted. Right. And I'm wondering... Well, here, like, here's the fun thing about the photos. It, it, the fun thing about the photos is the fact that the photos are super old. You know, I didn't even right. think about that. I just saw them in, like, oh, the like black, and black and white. Yeah, they're yeah. black and white photos. Yeah. And, like, it, 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 they don't look like they're taken from a new camera. So like I don't I don't know I mean I doubt you would be fucking in the sky taking pictures of a boat at 1962 yeah and I was like, gonna that, say like, that but well. so, but I'm just saying like the photos did look really old and kind of kind of grainy but they were just the same copies in black and white yeah so who knows you know what I want to throw this very quickly into the conversation this was the first moment I'm like uh you know typical line like uh you talk to me you talk to my crew right and then <laughs> oh, yeah, no, for sure. and then and then i respected the fact that he was like 20% and they weren't like 5% do 10 yeah. eight you know i was like oh they didn't do that they right didn't but then eventually they do they, do they that do and i'm like oh, come them. on you're so close to just like not falling to the trope <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, no. Good call. Murphy agrees, but Munder asks how much do, how much does he think it could be worth. Murphy tells him that uh, they would have an even split. They go around the table to say if they are in and out. So it's interesting that they talk about the even split for a second there too, because it makes me think that they don't get even splits. Probably not. Usually, yeah. Well, it depends on how they gather the information, right? right. So I would imagine Murphy brings them the the job. The they intel. sign up. Yeah, Murphy's pretty much the Charlie to the Angels. No, he's the Vin Diesel. Or the Vin Diesel, that's true, that's true. Also, I mean... Excuse me, Dominic Toretto, excuse me. My apologies, my apologies. No more difference. (laughs) (laughs) They are all in. Murphy calling over the ferryman... I said the ferryman. Calling over ferryman to haggle his uh, percentage as uh, of his finder's fee. As David just announced. (laughs) Ferryman agrees on the condition that he tags along. Murphy tells him that he isn't coming in on his boat. Ferryman reminding him that uh, about the find... About the kind of uh, about the kind of fine that he has floating in the middle of the ocean. Gosh, apologies for my stumbling over my words. It's fucking late. <laughs> we cut to them sailing towards the large vessel. The others hanging out in the common area while Santos steers the boat, uh, slapping some fucking metal. Though he's just like he's fucking. Going down it, yeah. it's I'm fucking not gonna great. say it. Say it. It's the 2000s, man. Yeah, it's the 2000s. Let's go. Bro. Reggie, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I could get down though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, at least it was like a very in the weeds metal song. It was, wasn't wasn't like a popular bl- band like fucking Breaking Benjamin at the I'm time like or bird. some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> While the others are joking around together, Ferryman comes to sit down, looking like absolute hell. Santos thinks that he catches the ship on his radar, double checks it, and it is gone. Santos calls for Murphy to stand up. He shows Murphy the radar. He's not able to see it at first santos hits the machine uh, thinking that it's a glitch the ship appearing yet again murphy is shocked he calls dodge to get on the bow light he does searching around the stormy weather Epps comes upstairs murphy calling on the radio to see if anyone reads him but no answer she looks at the radar not seeing anything 
Santos notices the ship right in front of them and immediately tries pulling the jets to go the other direction. That shit def- definitely came out of nowhere. That was just like, oh shit, go ship. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, like, <laughs> it's like I understand the name. Yeah. <laughs> they connect with the boat to dodge falling and catching himself moving out of the way before the before the um the boat hits their ship the rest of the crew are jostled around they are all gazing at the ship of murphy recognizing the ship as the antonia graza he calls on the radio to see if anyone is aboard the ship but no return i love how like murphy is totally like a boat carnosaur too he's like he's like i know these ships he's like the you of boats (laughs) like you with horror horror. (laughs) him with boats you (laughs) (laughs) they are all looking at the ship in absolute awe as murphy gives some facts about the italian liner he says quote she was reported missing on the 21st of may 1962 off the coast of labrador funny thing is there was no distress signal no contact she was just gone end quote murphy lets them know that by law of the sea it is theirs and calls the crew into action (laughs) i felt like it was totally like a high five more like yeah it's our ship now while doing so the ship disappears appears off their radar their radar once again good old audience giveaways you know just mm-hmm. gotta gotta have those in there in the 2000s yeah. so that was a thing murphy tells his crew to stick together once they're inside greer begins the crane to let them up ferryman is upset that they won't let him on the boat and he's like upset upset he's like man they won't let me on the boat and greer's yeah. just like sit your ass down what the yeah. fuck who do you want to go up there anyway like, he's like pulling them up and he's like you're in the way i can't see yeah he's like, like they're gonna crash like, like, man sit down sit down it's like yeah please this is weird like you're acting like a child I mean, literally, like yeah. he, he was he was like even crossed his arms and he, he kind of yeah. <laughs> this is where, like you bring up a great point. It's like this character that we're watching portrayed on the screen does not be the character that we find out who he is later on. Like, there's no reason why he's doing this if he's this guy. Yeah. Later on. Well, I, and I mean, I think it's intentional, though. Right. Um, later on, you see a dynamic shift in character. But we'll talk about that later. Of course. But he's you're totally. Yeah, you're totally right in that. Um, it's weird because like now thinking about that scene because I remember watching this this moment and thinking like dude like what like bratty like acting if that makes sense right it's yeah, supposed it really to be like that it's supposed to be exaggerated but uh, thinking about it in retrospect like it's like oh it's, yeah, well, he's once, so anxious to get on the ship right, right. like you've been on the ship yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Murphy tells his crew to stick together once they are inside. Greer begins the crane to let them up. Ferryman is upset that they won't let him go away. Uh, Greer letting him know that it is for his own safety, then yells for him to get out of the way. They make it onto the ship, Murphy giving them instructions to be careful. They are looking around, noticing that the life-saving and escape gear isn't there. Murphy opens the door to the inside of the ship, and they continue their trek deeper inside. As they are, as they are talking... Um, excuse me, as they are walking, Greer's walkie starts to starts to static out. He calls for them. The crew um, make it the crew make it to a large common area, them whistling for, from the sheer vastness of the area. They start joking around, Murphy shushing them uh, to have some respect. I'm just, fucking boat they continue moving <laughs> under uh comments but i mean he is a boat connoisseur right then like i would probably be the same way of like like how i am with this film like i'm, I'm not defensive of yeah, this yeah. film but, at but, have, time, some but yeah, have some fucking respect they worked hard on this probably we don't know i mean yeah definitely people worked hard Absolutely. yeah and at the same time they probably didn't but like 
I, I think I think hopefully. So the thing is, like, because, when you, because uh, actually, real quick, um, our our friend um, Drew is here with us, and before we actually started this, and before all you guys came. Drew shared some uh, some interesting information with me that the main actress Juliana uh, Margulis she actually was super pissed that they changed the script and she found out on uh, the flight there. That's and interesting. I was, was gonna like, I was gonna bring right. something up, kind of in regards to to that. It, well, what I'm gonna say kind of makes sense mm-hmm. after hearing that, or what my thought process was. Uh, when you have films like this, I, of course, like Freddie said, like every movie works hard to. Put out a movie, yeah, of course. Yeah. But what I when I s- making a movie. when I see inconsistencies like this and uh, hypocritical characters, hypocritical to themselves, I see some a project being rushed, right? And that's what I envisioned. I was like, for some reason, this could have been a lot better, but it just seemed very rushed. It lacked the polish it needed because, like, something could look good without polish, but if you polish it, it'll look better, right? Right. right. And I and hearing that makes sense. It sounds like they're they're their time was constrained heavily and they kind of had to work with what they had. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, and, and, that's good information to know. Yeah. And, and it also makes it makes us like, it makes me critical of her performance though. Right. Because like now seeing her performance in the actual we film, know she so, doesn't want to be there in the way right. that she wanted to be. Yeah. And, yeah. and even with that knowledge now, cause I, I didn't know that. And even with that knowledge now, like it, it makes it seem like, like, okay, you can tell in almost every line that like, you don't want to be here. Like you can you can kind of tell because in my opinion she's the worst act actor that's in this movie. To yeah, she's the main character. You yeah, know, I rough. I had moments where I wondered that, and I was like, but she's the lead. Like, why right. was she chosen then to be the lead role? And um, yeah, I don't know because there a lot of these, and again, this is moments where you see projects that are rushed, and I think these are um, noticeable aspects of. The, of projects when you see things like this like you can have characters that uh are very consistent with what their character type is and yeah. they and they they're holding their own as far as portraying their character but then like within the second act it kind of starts crumbling and they just right. become a completely different character and it just right. doesn't seem in line with how they were originally portrayed and it's interesting because she's a good actress like she she's, she's in billions and billions is fucking incredible and like it, it's it she was an ER. She she's a good. She's in the Sopranos. Like so, she's a good actress. And it, it just I I think this whole thing was just like the fact that she didn't really probably want to be there, which kind of sucks. But that's well. the hard part about movies, though. It's like it takes a whole entire village to make something work like this, where oh, yeah. like there's like the production for music, editing, cinematography, the acting, the script, the writing, the direction. There's so many moving parts. And if people have different visions, this is where we see that movie fall apart. Yeah. And I feel like that's where too many hands were cooking in the same kitchen and it just didn't work out. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. Too many cooks? Yeah. No. I have. It's you don't a, want to, Freddie. Yeah, you do. It's an 11-minute yeah, short oh. from Adult Swim. No, you don't. It's so good. You gotta watch it. <laughs> they no. continue. No, watch the whole eleven. <laughs> they continue moving. Munder commenting about the alcohol bottles. Too many cooks. Uh, Murphy <laughs> carrier something telling his crew to shut up so he can listen. They follow the sound, finding a creaking clock that stops and then startles them when when it chimes. Our first jump scare. <laughs> they have a little laugh about it, then go on to the next area, leaving us with Katie's puzzle that moves on its own, welcoming them aboard. <sighs> 
it's shit like this that uh, like I, I it's just feeding us like oh remember there's something up with this ship and I just I'm not a fan of that yeah. in certain films. I want to I want to add to that. Um it doesn't work with the consistency of what Katie's character is. It doesn't. Right? No, like, it doesn't cuz like it makes it seem like Katie is a part of this plot where she very much, as we will know later, she's very much not. Yeah, and she does it, not want to do she's this. She's the exposition for the viewer, right? But she's she does to explain things, and it's weird because she does things where she comes out as like, "Oh, I'm the scary ghost." Yeah, like she starts off as, "I'm the scary ghost," like just standing there, like, let me watching. stare you down. And it's just like, like why, why don't you just start with a warning right there? Yeah, I mean, but then we won't have a movie. But Ebbs continues asking Murphy questions um, about the boat as they trek further, him sharing that it carried over 600 passengers, but only the rich from from Europe. The creme de la creme, as he says. Meanwhile, Greer calls back to the crew on the walkies, but still no answer. They make it to the door. Murphy hop um, um, hoping that it will take take them to the bridge. Greer continues to get static on his walkie. Ferryman asking him what is going on. The crew walk through the door, Munder deciding to go in first. While walking, he falls through the floor, Epps catching him as he screams for, for her not to let go. While she is holding him, she notices a pristine Katie on the steps staring above at her. She is shocked at what she sees while the other two men pull them back up. Munder is rightfully freaking the fuck out, <laughs> catching his breath. I don't blame Come on, you almost fell to a whole floor. Uh, they continue moving, making it to the bridge, looking around. Munder checks their compass, helm, and dodge. Um, notices that the fuel tank is also empty, suggesting that it that it just kept going until it ran out. Murphy calls for Epps in the back, looking for the ship's log, telling her to help him get the documentation back to their boat. She has an odd look on her face, Murphy asking her if she is okay. She puts on a smile, claiming that she is fine, and him calling for her her to get back to work. And it's just like, all right. Judge finds a digital watch on the boat, Munder cracking a joke about him just finding a watch, and he reminds him that uh, the watch is digital and and when the year of the boat was actually lost. And that right there would have just been my, my fucking... Red flag, and and granted, Munder was like, oh, okay, like that just means someone was on the boat before us. And it's like, okay, but where the fuck did they go? Right, like what exactly. the fuck do you mean, dude? Like, if, if like that's a huge discovery. Yeah, like, like dude, no, someone probably got hurt here. We yeah. shouldn't probably be here. We should be really fucking careful. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't explore this later on. They don't, but they see the crew later on. Who it was? Yeah, yeah. That's right. You're yeah. right. That's the context. Follow up. Uh, Murphy shares that it is their boat now, and that some other people may have come onto the boat before them. Cut to them coming back and onto their sh- their boat with uh, some of the things that they found. Ferryman asks Murphy if they found anything on how the ship got there. Murphy shares a story about a boat called the Marie Cestel, or um, Celeste, excuse me, coming out of the South Carolina during the Civil War. He continues saying that something felt off about the boat being found. They went inside and found nothing. No crew. No signs of distress he mentions that 59 days after the last log entry the ship traveled 40 uh, 4500 miles at full sail with nobody at the helm dodge calls it bullshit murphy reminding him that he's seen a lot more than than him since he's been on the, the sea a lot longer than he has it's just like okay this doesn't mean it's not bullshit murphy yeah like i'll give a fuck what you saw dude you probably saw a seal and thought it was a mermaid like <laughs> <laughs> whatever ferryman asks about what the plan is murphy shares that they are going to tug the liner in santos doesn't believe the their boat is going to be able to do the job and real quick you guys know who murphy is though right like like in real life i mean his name's right there it's gabriel Bryan. Yeah. but he is the dad in hereditary 
I knew it. Okay, he does look <laughs> super familiar. Yep, that is, that him. is him. I did not know that. Yeah, there you go. Greer suggesting that they can anchor the ship and come back with their mug, their with more tugboats. Murphy shares that there there aren't any anchors left. Asking Greer what he's thinking. It just the reason why I bring that up is just it goes to show what passion can do when someone has passion about the actual script. Like we, we yeah. see that like with how uh, Julianne Margolis is in Billions and how Gabriel Bryan is in uh, Hereditary and so on and so forth. And you just you you can pull a performance out when they actually have passion for the script. And, and I, I think that was the main thing that was lacking in this film. And that's why with my criticism, I said characters and not actors, right, not actors. acting. Right. right yeah. Right. Because I think it's the characters themselves are inconsistent. I don't think that's a fault of the actors portraying them. That's fair. I think that's the writing. Yeah. Greer tells him that it would uh, take them about two weeks to tug it, adding that it would be worth it. We transition to the, to, uh, excuse me, we transition to their time back on the boat. Epps thinking about Katie that she saw on the steps earlier. Ferryman comes outside with a blanket and a cigarette, lighting it for her. She takes a drag with a sigh. He asks if she's okay because she's being quiet. She mentions that she thinks she uh, saw a little girl on the boat. He clarifies, and she comments that she looked at her, and then she disappeared. Uh, and the music choice here is just, it's very odd on this moment. It's, it's a dreamlike music sequence that's happening in the background. It's like, yeah. it's like a yeah. serenade, and it's, it's, it, it's very out of place. <laughs> he shares his experience with uh, seeing something, comparing what, what she saw to a dream. She gives her thanks, and they say they're good. <clears throat> Excuse me. They say their goodnights. Transition to the ferryman drinking coffee outside the boat, startled by some of the crew coming from out of the water. Epps mentioning that the boat is sinking from a large hole underneath. Murphy is with everyone going over the damages of the ship from their recording. Epps uh, stating the facts of the size of the hole and in the hole. Ferryman is confused, asking if it hit an iceberg. They all laugh, commenting that it looks like it was recent. Murphy continue, and I mean. That's not nice. Don't laugh at him. <laughs> like, like, he don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, during this moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, like that's so obvious. Yeah, like, like, like look, look at the dummy. He doesn't yeah, know the, boats. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, and, like, I don't get the context on why they laughed. I'm like, I was like, is that really that far fetched? Like, this like, boat's been missing since 1962. Yeah, they're like, okay, pilot. <laughs> yeah, right, for real. Murphy continues showing them the map on where the boat possibly. I wish they would have just had some type of context with that. Like, no. No, we're in the Atlantic Ocean, or I don't know if the Atlantic Ocean has icebergs. I don't know any shit, anything about oceans. But we're in the <laughs> Atlantic Ocean, or whatever. Like maybe something to give it context as to why it wouldn't hit an iceberg, or maybe just the fact that it's too big. Or someone could have just right. said no. Right? They didn't have to fucking laugh at them. Yeah. They're just like they're all busted up. I'd be like, can't wait to watch y'all die. Like, <laughs> don't laugh at my theory. But What's I feel like um, the people who got on the boat prior, they crashed into the ship. They crashed into the ship? Yeah. You know how like they, it kept on popping up and off the radar? I feel like that was a conflict clue. It was like, oh, they didn't see the ship coming and they actually crashed into it. Oh, maybe. And then they oh. hopped on board to see what was going on. And then obviously we see what happens to them. Yeah. And that's why their boats never found too. Maybe just sank. Oh, I see what you're saying. They were the previous. That's how the whole came. So you're saying they were just there right before. Yeah, because they talked about it's like, oh, it's a couple of weeks old. What is? Oh, uh, the, the, bodies. the bodies. The bodies. The bodies. Right. Gotcha. No, no, no. The, actually, the damage. They said the damage is a couple of weeks old. I'm pretty sure they said the bodies too when they float. Yeah. Like, they said yeah, the bodies they... are fresh. Yeah. 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 Uh, Murphy continues showing them the map of 
on where the boat possibly had its collision, and they um, have three days to fix it. Ferryman asks why they can't tow it as is. Santos compares it to a heavy car with flat tires. Munder goes over the schematics on how they will be able to fix it, but it is a it is a lot for three days. But Epps and Murphy claim that they can do it with the materials that they have on their boat and what's on the ship. Santos comments that they that he can't fix their engine problem with the gear that they have. Murphy tells him to stop complaining and overhaul the engine. Okay, <laughs> Greer is about to call it in, but Murphy tells him not to because he doesn't want it, any unexpected unexpected guest. Ooh. My black ass would have been like, I'm calling anyway. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like I would have been like, the fuck? No. Like, I'm yeah, call. dude, like, yeah, I want people to know we're actually out here, like, just in case something goes wrong. They uh, they move their equipment to the ship. Epps giving instructions for what everyone is supposed to go, or where everyone is supposed to go. Santos is working on the engine on the tugboat, talking to a photo of his car, surprised by oil hitting him in the face. Back with, uh, back with Murphy and Greer... Performing recon on the halls, Greer commenting about the beauty. Meanwhile, Epps is in the pool, uh, is in the pool area looking around. She spots bullet holes on the side of the pool. Munder and Dodge are headed towards the engine room, trying to radio Epps, but nothing but static. Murphy and Greer are walking towards the captain quarters, Murphy not allowing Greer to go past him. He chuckles, allowing Murphy to go in alone while he checks another area. Epps drops down into the pool for a closer look at the holes, finding the shells to the bullets on the floor of the pool. He, she hears something trying to get out of the pool, falling backwards when she, when she sees the ghost of Katie standing right in front of her. Once again, it doesn't really go with Katie the friendly ghost, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting on how she appears here. And I, my theory is she was just trying to get enough strength to manifest, just kind of like how ghosts do, I guess, since she doesn't have the marking as we find out a little bit later. Yeah, Greer is. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, that, like, it's a perfect explanation for the sloppy writing, for sure. I mean, it is because at this point, it it it, it doesn't make sense for how Katie interacts with her later, right? I I, mean, obviously, she's trying to tell her something. I think that's what they were trying to go off the bat of. It was just like, oh, I'm in the spooky house. Maybe the ghosts are trying to tell us something. Yeah, but could yeah. I pose a question to you both? Yes. Do you feel like, um, as you know, this film is almost 20 years old. Now it's 19 years old, right? Do you think in 19 years, the general moviegoer um, is smarter in in the past 19 years in comparison to 2002 to 2021? Because I think viewers now want more context. They want more consistency in characters and writing. That's Or do you think, do you like, because I, I always bring up like, decades and when the movie came out and so right yeah so do you think it my question to you is in 2002 are people that are making movies more like people don't really care about that context as much in comparison to now because i feel like now like you know writing in film and tv has continued to get so much better right do you think there's more emphasis now in context like, for example, Katie's character being consistent on what her goal is from start to finish compared to back then? Or do you think it's just, I just writing? Think, I just think this is, this is just 2000s. And, I, and I'll, I'll briefly answer this because I, I, do, I do want us to actually explore this a little bit later in the post show too. But um, I, I just think it's, it's just 
you know, the 2000s on how they were just chugging out these types of films yeah. in general, because this was the 2000s was really popular for a lot of different things. I mean, you had so many different aspects of these booms here. Exactly. Um, yeah. And um, like with with this whole particular concept of things, you definitely do see a very interesting way of how characters are portrayed in some ways, but you do get you do get a flawless storyline in some of these particular films. For example, um, you had Let the Right One In, and you were a complete storyline driven in 2008. Yeah. And then you, you have, obviously we had so many booms of like with it being torture porn and things like that, but I'll even bring that up with Saw. Mm-hmm. Like Saw had a complete flush story. And you can even go back even more with like Psycho. Which is a completely super old film, and it goes deep into character development. I mean, with with most most of these older films in the sixties and the seventies, you can one hundred percent do that because I mean, you had the Giallos, you you had Exorcist, which had literally a two parter. that that movie did not need to be two parts, but it was, and it's just things like that. I do want to say that I'm not I'm not saying that you know it's old, so um, they're not. Yeah, yeah. that's why that's why I think. I, yeah, with the ages yeah. that go on and stuff like that, and I think now this was just a money. Yeah, because what I'm saying is like you know you're looking at 2002. This seems like it's very much trying to uh, hop on the zeitgeist of like slashers and ghost film, right? It's trying to yeah, be that's both. that's what it's pretty much trying to be. But what I'm saying is something like this probably wouldn't fly at all today because I think um, the average viewer wants context more than ever because don't get me wrong i'm not saying like in 2000 in the early 2000s there weren't any films that uh respected the want for context i'm just saying you didn't find it as consistently as you would to film today don't get me wrong there's always like lower tier film that's coming out but that and that's any genre yeah yeah Uh, i just think um the respect to context is a lot more prevalent now and it probably will continue to be as time goes on Sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Greer is continuing down the halls alone, trying to sing to keep his composure. Murphy is looking around in the captain quarters, finding his hat. He inspects it, then goes into the bathroom of finding a rusty, bloody straight razor. Munder and Dodge make it uh, to the engine room, but it is flooded. They try to call it back, but uh, back to Epps, but still no answer. She wakes up in the pool, her blood being sucked into the hole, which also actually looked really great. Um, she yells for the girl to wait. A ferryman asks uh, ask her um, oh, excuse me. The f- ferryman asks her what happened and if she is hurt. He helps her up, and we see blood coming out of the bullet hole of the wall. Meanwhile, Murphy finds a bottle of alcohol, some already poured in the, in a glass. So he makes the obvious decision to take a sip. <laughs> the obvious decision, yes. Obviously. So I, I contextualize <laughs> so this obvious. for myself, saying like, "Oh, he he's being influenced by spirits. Right. 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 That's what I had to tell Literal myself. Spirits, like the actual <laughs> alcohol spirits. You bring up that characterization of like them doing the opposite of what they said. Like when they were first met by Fairman, it's like, oh, he doesn't drink. Yeah. And the right. first thing he does when he sees a fucking glass bill. He drinks. He drinks. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> dude, I was like, maybe he had some like alcoholic problems in the past, and he's. Like, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then this dude's like, "Oh, I see this glass right in front of me. Yeah, I'm gonna take a sip. I'm gonna take a sip." Luckily for this what? moment, you can fill in the gaps with your own contextualization, right? Sure. But I also think when I think of it that way, I'm like, "Well, Murphy had just told everyone like you don't understand the stuff that can right. happen at sea. Like right. the sea can play yeah. tricks on you." And then here he is, like just easily falling for it. But again, I'm just telling myself like. 
spirits are influencing him. Yeah. And that bottle is and influencing him. That's true. That's true. Um, and I, I just want to let you guys know, I want to keep moving a little bit here because I know we're, we're running close to our uh, ad break. But so he uh, makes out his decision to take a sip. He looks in the mirror, but is it is the original captain of the ships reflecting back at him. He is startled, dropping the glass and walks away from the mirror. The captain's ref, uh, reflection conti- uh, continuing to take a drink while he is watching him. Blood starts pouring into the pool as Epps is telling Ferryman what's down there. She mentions that uh, she saw Katie again, Ferryman asking her uh, where she saw her. She tells him to, to forget it as the pool continues to fill with blood and they obviously don't notice anything, showing dead bodies inside the red liquid. Why aren't you looking? Uh, quickly, quickly back. And it like filled fast. It's right. It's a, it's that a, shit was running, dude. It's a cool uh, concept. concept. And yeah. I think it it's, cool concept. it's a cool execution until it starts really getting filled up. Right. Um, but then, then you start seeing the CG. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, when you really think about it, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea just for it to be creepy. I think it yeah. was just I think it was just a, a, a kind of a homage to The Shining. To be completely honest, because the same shit happens in The Shining where the blood flies out of the thing and it's like no one sees this really. Uh, Quickly back with Greer continuing down the hallway, stopping uh, when he hears a woman singing. Munder and Dodge hearing the music through their walkie. Greer calls for everyone, but all he hears is the music coming through the through the walkie. He continues into the ballroom where he hears the singing, nervous, but goes inside anyway. Epson Ferryman continue forward into the laundry room. They come across the ventilation shaft. She wants to check uh, check if it is flooded. When she opens the door, water and dead bodies rush into the room, knocking them underneath the water in carnage. The door above them closes and locks them in. in uh, excuse me, closes and locks them inside. She radios for Murphy, ferryman asking what they are going to do. She yells that they are going to call the Coast Guard and get off the ship, telling him to follow her. They go up the steps, noticing the door is closed and now locked. They go through the shaft, another door opening up on its own, allowing them to go inside. Back with Greer, inside the ballroom, touching a busted piano, noticing a lit cigarette in an ashtray with lipstick on the butt. He inspects it, thinking it is from Epps. He looks at a poster of the singer francesca complimenting her breast i guess they needed that uh while walking out um and i have many gripes with this as as i will get to uh while walking out he doesn't um notice francesca smoking a cigarette watching him Epps and Ferryman continue down continue down the halls, going through the doors um, that they are opening for them. Ferryman goes inside a storage area. Epps calling for him to forget and uh, calling him to forget it, and for them to continue out of to continue out of the door. He goes inside, excitedly talking about the car, but she tells him that they have to get out of there. Now this is interesting. Where, like, he really wants them to stay in that room because he wants her to notice, like, yo, there's some shit back here. Come here. Come here. He agrees, but she notices something moving in the mail room. Right on cue. They kick the the mail out of the way, opening a board full of rats. They scurry away, revealing bars of gold as Epps screams. She comments that she has to get Murphy, and they leave out of the area calling for Murphy. They stop walking, Epps answering the static on on her walkie. A ghastly voice calls for Maureen. (laughs) Epps' first name. They They continue moving, going inside the gallery. They are walking towards the freezer, Ferryman telling her to not go inside, but she opens the door anyway, heading inside. While slowly f- moving, th- uh, 
while slowly moving through the covered carcasses, someone is inside watching her as she walks by. And this looked great if it wasn't fake. Right, yeah. <laughs> she is startled by both Munder and Dodge, scaring her with their uh, p- playful screams. They come out laughing. She tells them about the dead bodies and the gold that they found. And we transition to our ad break for just a moment. And we are back. We transition to all of the crew members aboard the ship inside the mail room where the gold is stored. Murphy opening the chest, Ferryman giggling from anticipation. They open the chest, revealing a row of gold bars. They all begin to laugh, Murphy kissing the bar. Ooh, don't kiss that, though. <laughs> like, I, like, I get it, but like, don't kiss that. That's like kissing, like, would you kiss money? Would you kiss dollar no. bills? No. I am a no. germaphobe as is. Like, so. no, like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Like rats were all over it. If that too as well. Yeah, I, I would have I would have been Epson would have been like like yo lie. bro like rats were like all over that right now. Like I'm not gonna lie at all. So I thought about it this morning because I saw the movie this morning. I was like right when I saw him kiss it, I was like, dude, even if you get off that boat, you're gonna die from a disease. You got mad rats disease. They <laughs> all celebrate that they're rich while they uh take it out and count the bars. Excuse me. Santos asks Murphy, "How much does he does he think it's worth?" Him him guessing two or three hundred million. You know, before he stated that, before that question was asked, I actually googled how much is one gold bar, bar worth? worth today. One is about like six hundred and twenty five k. Wow, yeah, not bad. But why did he like go so low and then high? Inflation. He's like two or three, but I think he made like <laughs> two hundred or three hundred million. Right. Yeah, I think that's how he meant it, yeah. but. I, I think it, I think it was his accent that kind of came out a little bit that oh, kind of uh, jarred jarred me a little bit. Greer isn't too isn't too hasty though, um, thinking that they are possibly insured. Dodge finds the markings were filed down, so it is untraceable. Cool, it's ours now. Um, Greer comments that it is stolen. Them piecing together that it, it could be why the ship went missing in the first place. But they are wondering about the bodies that Epps found. Greer calls the ship fucked, telling the crew about the um, woman he heard singing. They all laugh and joke with him, but Epps rings them back, asking them about uh, telling the Coast Guard. Dodge comments on, on that being a bad idea. Murphy chimes in, saying that the laws that the law says that it belongs to the finder in international waters. Murphy does a vote on, on who is with them taking the gold and leaving the boat behind. They are all in and start moving out. They're continuing to excitedly move everything into place. One of the valves start turning by itself. Santos calls to Greer to start the engine. Katie looking at them with despair on her face. She yells for them to stop and to not start the boat, but she is thrown off the ship. Epps shocked at what she just witnessed. And all of a sudden, Katie wanted to be the friendly ghost. Yeah. All of a sudden, you, you got this change of heart over here, huh, Katie? <laughs> Damn. I mean, we find out later. She explains herself later, right? But She does, but it ain't uh, a good one. I, I don't think it's a good enough reason. It's not. Yeah. Greer starts the engine, Santos smelling gas, screaming for Greer, the whole ship exploding into flames. This is what I mean by the kills being so bland. Like, the, it's just things like this. We're just like, man, he just died from a fucking explosion. Yeah. We couldn't even at least see, like, body parts flying in the air. Like, something. Come on, you got $20 million. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to see something cool. And how come you That's got true. how yeah. come you got the people of color on the boat in the explosion and not I know. all the other white people up there? That, that jarred <laughs> me. I was like, bro, like, 
It's been back to back this month with that. It has been. Right? And also another thing too, like that really kind of made me upset is that they kind of stereotyped our boy as well, where like they had Santos with the car that yeah. was a low rider. Yeah. Right. And I, I was, was like, totally stereotypes. Damn, y'all didn't sure. have to do that. Come on, man. It could that that literally could have been just a picture of his girlfriend or right. whatever. You know what I'm saying? They, or his mom or whatever. And they made it as a joke, too. Because right. Because you see him, like, talking about it. It's like, oh, I love you. You're so great. And then it cuts to the car. Yeah. The yeah. So yeah, in that fucking like, lowrider. Yeah. Like, in that fucking kidding me. intentional pun joke about this. Yeah. So when that scene happened and it, it cut to the the picture of the car, I was like, I remember thinking, oh, this is the part where everyone is supposed to laugh, right? Right. And like, it, to me, yeah. it's just like. Yeah, it, it, when, it's, when the oil spurts in his face and all this other stuff, it just, like yeah. it turns into a slapstick comedy. It program. hasn't aged well. No, Epps calls for them. She jumps off the ship into the water to help save her crew. She would have fucking died. No yeah. way. That's what I thought no. too. <laughs> you just jump in, <laughs> and you're landing. like, dude, like, dude, no she, like, way. You yeah. would have died. She would have been crushed from that force. Like, no yep. way. Ferryman grabs Munder in her grabbing Greer. Cut to them sitting back in the ship. How'd they get back in? Um, Greer, oh, like, you how know they what? Get back up? I know how they got in the through hole. through the hole. That's oh, bullshit. Uh, that's a good excuse. It's <laughs> not, but that's that's probably how. And that's what I'm saying. Like, where's the context in this that's film? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, cut to them back in the ship. Greer wondering what happened. Dodge asked Ferryman about what he found out, found out about this ship, blaming him for the death of Santos. I even put here, always the color folk. Got to go first, huh? Ferryman yeah, comments. Man, it makes me mad. Ferryman, bro. Ferryman comments that Santos came here on, on his own will, this causing Dodge to get in his face. Greer pulling him off of Ferryman. Murphy is sitting outside. Epps coming up uh, to him, trying to tell him that it, is, it isn't his fault. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear it and walks away. She goes back to the other crew, sharing her plan to fix the boat and try to control it to survive long enough to get picked up. That's your plan. Greer doesn't like the idea and suggests that that they build a raft instead and get off this boat. I'm with you, bro. Let's do this. Munder uh, speaks up about them not being able to do this. She convinces him, and she agrees on the condition of them not not, um, doing it in the dark. And it's funny because it's like it, you're, it's underneath the ship. You're going to be in the dark regardless. Yeah. She agrees, uh, saying that they would do it in the morning. She calls for Greer, him co- uh, completely and rightfully irritated by her commanding efforts, shouting, shouting that they would be home. They would be at home millionaires by now if they would have contacted the Coast Guard. Munder calling it bullshit and him and him an asshole. Like you could have just like handed that Coast Guard a bar. Like you'd be like, like, yo, hush, hush. Here's a bar. That's 600K right like, there. Like, bro, like, enjoy your life, but dog. Still, like, the law said, like, that's theirs. It's, no I matter mean, what, they could have just gone rescued and bounced out. I mean, the, it's weird. I feel like Murphy kept making up laws of the sea right. just whenever it favored him. It, that's true. <laughs> it's kind of like when someone plays a board game <laughs> and it's just like you play the with secret a group rule of people book says. who definitely haven't played this game before. Just like, well, according to this, it says <laughs> that I go first. <laughs> Munder calling it bullshit and him an asshole. Greer tired of it, throwing a punch at it. And I was like, fuck. Bro. Good hit. He hit the shit out of it. That was a good hit. <laughs> Meanwhile, Murphy uh, back in the captain's quarters, so upset that he ends up taking a bottle of alcohol for a drink. Epps is looking at a sign log of finding Katie's name in the ledger. Ferryman, Ferryman is hover is overhearing Dodge and Munder t- uh, talking about the gold and what happened to the passengers on the ship. They play rock, paper, scissors on who has to try... Um, 
on who has to on who has to try the food first um, that was left on the ship behind. Greer is drinking straight from the bottle, looking and talking to the, to a picture of his fiance, claiming that she, uh, she that excuse me, I brought that completely wrong, claiming that he should have called it in, but uh, and he knew better. Back with Munder and Dodge trying trying a can of beans, Munder hesitantly taking a bite and claiming that it is good. Dodge takes a bite and then they start eating all different types of food, exclaiming on how good it is. I still wouldn't have fucking touched it. Epps is wandering down the hall, calling for Katie, startled startled by all of the doors slamming on the floor. She hears a girl humming and a door opening. It's funny because like it's a can of beans. And they're just like eating it like like nothing, yeah. claiming it's the most delicious thing that they've ever had. Yep. Have y'all ever eaten just a can of beans without no. heating it up? I would not I even dare. <laughs> it isn't good. <laughs> like <laughs> like it, it's it's not good. It's sometimes really salty. It doesn't. <laughs> Dodge and Munder are laughing about the, their riches while consuming the food. Munder noticing a maggot on Dodge's face and Dodge's mouth. The look down at they look down at the food, realizing that they've been eating maggots this whole time. You got Epps goes inside the room, calling for Katie as she looks around. She moves over to her to her chest, looking at her worn clothes. Placing the flashlight down, she can look at more around the room. Excuse me. Finding drawn pictures on the closet door, it opening up to a skeletal corpse hung inside, leaving Epps in, in her screams. We jump back to a drunk Greer, covering his face from a spotlight shining on him as the room begins to 2000 CG warp the fuck out of us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, I, I do want to comment on this. This is actually quite incredible on the attention to detail here, because um, I, I even see like it's changing and the bottle and his hand is also changing to be to fit the times of where it's actually clean it's no longer dusty oh i right. like that touch and, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's actually quite incredible on in what's happening i actually like the sequence a lot it's I not do. I love perfectly the educate, uh, executed with i mean the it's, CGI, it's cg but, but you it's know. what they had back then and right it still works it I still think looks it, great i think it worked great and yeah. i think it's a very astonishing scene on on the attention to detail on how much attention to detail they actually had in this scene he moves into an into an attack position as the room uh, shifts around him until there are people applauding him um, as he is in the middle of the floor. He turns around, noticing Francesca on stage, smiling at him. Murphy is startled awake when the bottle moves towards the ghostly captain, greeting him as, and pouring him another glass. Greer is in the middle of the room, Francesca seductively approaching him and giving him a kiss on the cheek. She starts speaking in Spanish... Yeah, it, before it was Italian. And then she speaks Italian later on. I'm like, what the hell? Freddie, did you catch what she said in Spanish? Because I was like, wait, was that even Spanish? It was for sure Spanish. I it just was, got it thrown was off. That for sure I got thrown off too yeah. because, I, yeah, like you said, she spoke Italian in the, at first. And then I was like, wait, what? Yeah. What did she say? It was for sure Spanish. And I only know this because I'm learning Spanish and I picked up on some of those words. And I was just like, what? She's speaking in Spanish, and then I, tr- I I have my my closed caption on, and it says speaking in Spanish. <laughs> and I'm like, Which makes no sense. What? Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, but anyway, she starts dancing with him. Greer commenting about him, knowing that none of none of this is real. Then he kisses her, and that is where I fucking really hate his character that they set up they, Dude, that they wrote for him. Like, I was gonna say, he's like the cheating black man. Yeah, and also like real, it's inconsistent him. with what his character was. 
in the beginning right. of the film. Like, like he, he claimed how much he loved his fiance, and then all of a sudden, right. yeah, like, y'all literally put this moments in. before this happened, he's right. like saying like, "Oh, I'm gonna come home to you and everything exactly. is. I love you and stuff like that." It's like, and, and I'm sure some people listening will be like, "Oh, well, he was drinking, right?" So like, he was like, "This isn't real." So yeah, he was but, like, yeah. like, "I know I'm hallucinating right now, and I'm just gonna go with they it." They also like, gave yeah. him the excuse like, "Oh, I'm not cheating if it's a dead girl." Right? Exactly. Epps is pulling the locket off of Katie's neck, looking inside um, it having the pictures of her parents. She is startled by Katie pleading for her not to close it, saying that she hasn't seen them in years. She mentions that they went to New York. She, uh, she was supposed to join them, but they are dead now. Katie continues talking to her about her dress that her mother made her. Epps tries to hand her back the locket, but it goes right through her hand. Greer is, and I like how she still held her hand out. But I, I'm sure she just did it so she could show her, like, this is what happens. I'm yeah. dead. <laughs> like, I haven't been able to look at the locket right. ever. Exactly. Greer is tr- is still trying to get get it on with a ghost as Francesca unzips her dress walking up the stairs. He's like, hey, where are you going? Hey, <laughs> slow down. Murphy I just, is- I contextualized ahead. it. She's a siren, but. I mean. Again, that was such a weird fucking like, yeah. scene. Like, And once again, I'm thinking we're about to get a fucking awesome kill. Yeah. And I've seen this movie yeah. many of times, everybody. Like I, I actually I watched this movie in two thousand and two. I was very young. I was like maybe ten or yeah. eleven. It's funny. I saw it back in two thousand two when it first came out in Mexico. In Mexico? Wow. Not even here, yeah. Oh wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Murphy is speaking with the other dead captain about losing Santos. He hands Murphy pictures of a sinking ship called the Lorelei as he is looking at the images. And once again, he's just like, I know this ship. He <laughs> sees a picture of the gold that was aboard the ship. He reads the date, May 19th, 1962, it being two days before the captain ship disappeared. And I love the whole context of this. And I, I actually love the concept of ferryman in general. And I'll yeah. explain that later. Murphy comments that they, are, that they weren't any survivors aboard the Lorelei. The captain handing him another image that we can't see that shocks him. He cuts. We cut back to Greer um, following a half-naked Francesca and Epps con, uh, continuing to speak with Katie about why they are trapped on the ship. Katie talks about the ghosts all being trapped there, mentioning the ones that also don't have markings. She continues talking about a man who needs souls to allow them to pass on, but she c- doesn't continue. The, ro- the room around them begins to begins to have blood quickly seeping in on the ceiling and walls. This does look pretty cool, and I like the fact that it's a ghost hunting a ghost kind of concept. Mm-hmm. I think that's fun. Yeah. I, I haven't seen something like that again since, like, The Conjuring 2, which yeah. I thought was also a really clever idea. Epps can't see this, wondering what's going on while Katie sobs that he doesn't want her talking. Katie's shouting that she isn't like the others, screaming from Epps to leave the ship, disappearing with a dissipating scream as Epps calls for her. Murphy is in the pool area, yelling for his crew that they need to leave. His path is blocked by a burned Santos, asking him where is, where is he going. Murphy is walking, t- uh, walking backwards, tripping over some debris, listening to Santos tell him how much this is his fault. He runs away after Santos tells him that he will be coming along with him but back with Greer starting to take his clothes off for the ghost lady her standing in a doorway he tries to grab hold of her just to fall to his doom what a shitty way to go (laughs) and then her transitioning into a grotesque ghost which didn't make any sense to me at all exactly yeah yeah this was I just come on man like have a wire snap 
of like <laughs> the elevator being above maybe and the wire yeah. snapping and then it, it like smacking him down like that or something. And that's how we opened, right? We opened about like how like that gnarly kill scene in the beginning set up the expectations and then for what's to come and then you get this. Yeah. These yeah. boring they, they literally kills. literally gave him the shaft. They literally it's so bad. Yeah. The kills are just so boring and I, and I I like I said everybody. I actually very much enjoy this movie. I think this movie is very fun. But I just wanted something more. Like we got so many fun kills in 13 Ghosts. Yeah. That like I would expect and which is actually interesting because we don't get that many kills in 13 Ghosts. But we still have gotten so many fun ones in there. Like yeah. this is a lot of unique kills and originality where it just doesn't really have any. I think I think yeah. what which is funny you say that because Thirteen Ghosts is a remake. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. I think where you get uh, you get I can see you get passionate about it because you can see the potential that this could have had. Oh, this movie could have fucking ruled. Yeah, like this movie could have been really fucking good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but hey, Epps is running down the hall calling for Murphy. She finds him trying to see if he's okay, but he is. He is seeing her as the ghost of Santos, who is wielding a knife instead of a flashlight. He attacks her, which causes her to protect herself. He continues trying to call her, ferryman hitting him in the face with the oxygen tank, knocking him out. The rest of the crew come back, placing Murphy inside of an, an aquarium tank. She tries to convince them that he didn't know what he was doing, but they don't care since he tried to kill her. And it's just like, y'all going to extremes. Calm down. Yeah, and they straight up drop him like a story. Right. Yeah, yeah, like knocked out too, and like I get it, but like if Epps isn't tripping and he tried to kill Epps, maybe listen to the person who's not really tripping who try- almost tried to get killed. Like, yeah, because almost got killed because they weren't there. Right, they weren't there. Yeah, we transition. We transition to daytime. Epps waiting for Murph, waiting with Murphy as the other guys look for Greer. They come back with no sign of him. Uh, they ask. They ask her about the locket. She tells them uh, that she found it from from Katie, who told her to get off this boat. They're confused, except for Ferryman, asking if she is seeing ghosts. They don't allow they don't allow her to answer. Dodge saying that they should continue to try and fix the ship. Epps tells them that she isn't she isn't going anywhere without Murphy, so they are going to go with the original plan. Oddly, quick uh, quick cut to them underwater opening a door with C four. That was a very weird cut because, like, we're going to stick to the original plan. Yeah. It was just like, whoa, what happened between <laughs> that section there? What was going yeah. on? I feel like I'm missing something. Also, I think it's so weird that she took the locket and decided to, like, keep it and wear it. I, I think she did that for Katie's sake, though, like uh, as like a like a little keepsake for Katie since Katie can't have it. And I think instead of her just leaving it there where Katie can't do anything with it, I think she was just like, well, maybe we should probably just bring this to where it can be to someone's heart closely. Like it's supposed to be, but I would have still weird to me. (laughs) Me personally, I would probably just given it back to the body. And was like, well, I'll I'll leave it with your corpse, Katie. Like, (laughs) I mean, I think what I would have done was taking it off the dead body, opened it up, placed it on a table. I wouldn't have even taken it off the dead body. I mean, yeah, I would have touched same, that shit. Same. <laughs> but I'm saying like after she had taken it That's for fair. whatever reason and then spoke to Katie, Katie was like, Man, I, have, I haven't seen, seen it open. It open. Yeah. I literally thought, girl, just open it and put it on the table next to her. There, you did her a favor. Yeah, That's she can fair. see it anytime she wants. Exactly. Yeah. Now you can see room. it all the time. Exactly. Uh, they find the tear and get to work fixing the tears. Epps breaks a window and they pump the water out of the lower deck. She tries for the for the rudder and gets it, gets it slightly moving. Checking the current. 
uh, she shares the escape plan with Dodge and Munder. And they are excited that they may get out of there. She leaves She leaves them one last instruction while she continues looking for Greer. Transition to her calling for Greer down below, he, her noticing Katie down the hall, standing there looking at her. Once again with that very creepy glare. Um, she walks over to her, noticing Greer impelled by spikes on top of the elevator. Meanwhile, Dodge and Munder have a, have to unclog one of the water pipes. Katie wants to show Epps... Show, Excuse me. Katie wants to show Epps something, and and she touches her shoulder, and we get that awesome Disney Channel warp to the past. <laughs> Last watch, a Disney Channel movie. Uh, she is going over what happened that night of the takeover. Dead chefs, people foaming, dying from poison food, that epic wire kill that we see yet again because we needed it twice. And I agree, we needed it twice. Yeah, we they did. They continue showing us Katie running away, witnessing the death of the guy who helped her with the puzzle earlier, which also was very cool and cruel. The couple of men continuing to chase her, now onto the pool massacre, and back with the Katie being hung in her closet. And that's not all. They continue moving towards the gold, and one of the thieves walking towards Francesca, shooting the rest of his crew, just so Francesca can shoot him in the fucking head, and this looks great yeah this is my That's favorite what i want part of the movie and i think it's the best part of the movie it's awesome it's yeah. really really cool um and i i think it's such a fun way to show what happened in these in these like um i guess in that span of time but i just love francesca's kill like that yeah. that headshot and then the, I, i'm a sucker for the fucking the whole camera thing. going yeah. through the hole in the head like we we got this in in texas chainsaw massacre remake yeah. and like i said like that alone is just i'm a sucker for that type of well shit. it's funny because the the stylistic cinematography that i was critiquing earlier i think plays to its favorite here and actually does right. age well it's done very well but i had to give it to emily browning's acting as katie in all this because man that that Fear and torment in her in her expression when she's being yeah, dragged yeah. around and all that like it sold it to me man and and it really felt like it was this this huge incident because like when when I watch horror right I'm very desensitized to kills because it's like this it's a it's a ticker for me right but like when this is happening and like Emily's being dragged throughout it and you see how frightened she is it really like helps me feel immersed in it yeah and I think uh she made this scene along with the the sequence the story sequence of it all it's great it's great I have uh, thoughts about it. I want to hear I, it. I think I like it as well. I think it's one of the strong points of this movie. But at the same time, it looks like a really bad early 2000s music video with fucking Hell imagery. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I love it. I feel like I mean, it didn't age as well. I was like, this is just a weird music video that I'm watching. That are, like, music I mean, going I, on with the like, well, rock. and then just I got to say, skills. yeah, in comparison to the rest of the film, I'm not For saying sure. like, oh, man, this is timeless. I'm just saying in compared to the other it's gonna go from time to time yeah <laughs> and compared to like 2000s. the rest of the like the editing yeah um in the film i think this is where it's, it it's best yeah best, exactly sure. i have I to agree. agree with that she looks back at a man standing in the shadows he comes towards her giving her a kiss and switching spots with her at this time we notice that it is ferryman walking away allowing a hook to smack her and hang her and this is also one of the kills that I'm talking about. Like, we got all the cool kills in 1962. I would have much preferred that story yeah. than this story of these salvagers. Yeah. He then grabs her her hand, marking her, and um, looking back at Epps, her grasping when she notices that it is, that it is Ferryman. Uh, 
I said grasping, but I meant to say gasping. Um, she runs back to Murphy, coming back to his body floating in the tank, conveniently letting go of Ferryman's photo when she arrives. She tries to break open the tank, but not. Um, but she is not successful, sobbing on the ground as Katie watches. Back with, with Munder underwater searching for the clog, she finds Dodge telling him that Murphy is dead and that they have to get off the boat. She is telling him the reasons why they are alive to, is to fix the ship, but she is interrupted by Ferryman coming into the, the room claiming that he found Murphy dead. She tells him to stay, stay with Dodge while she goes to get Munder. He is about to interject, but she stops him telling him that they uh, need to stay together, handing him a gun before leaving. Meanwhile, Munder is squished by turning by turning gears. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, what? I, I, uh, I was confused. What? Come on. Uh, did the ghost kill him? Was this an accident? I just, like, yeah. I guess those gears were moving so intensely that he got sucked back into them. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's not a vacuum. It's a gear turning. Yeah. Like, What? I'm like picturing somebody like going like this. I'm like I'm moving my hands like a like runner. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I've got his little ghostly hand moving the gears faster. Like I'm gonna get you. <laughs> Epps drops down, calling for Munder. Um, the tube fills with blood. Epps noticing pieces of Munder's body scattered in the in the water. That looked cool. They are headed towards the rocks. Ferryman confirming that they made it. That they made it. He tells Dodge that he's going to check on Epps, but Dodge doesn't allow him to do so, telling him to wait. Ferryman takes off his jacket changing his tone he tells dodge that he that he disgusts him calling him pathetic i was like damn i would have shot him right there call me pathetic bitch (laughs) i got shot right there son i hated this character choice of all of a sudden ferryman yeah all of a sudden my voice is gonna drop and i'm batman i have no expression on my face and i'm gonna look down with a scowl like i'm like (laughs) oh my god really we're doing this the brood dodge grabs the gun pushing ferryman back as he tries to leave again ferryman is trying to get into dodge's head but dodge shoots him ferryman flying backwards and it's funny because he's like trying to get into his head like like you're pathetic of not telling Epps how you truly feel. Like I see how you look at her. I'm just like, what? That the was fuck? such Where did that a reach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where did it's this like come from? I felt like that was in the previous version of the film and its writing, and they took it out and they forgot about it when they were doing the scene. Yeah, like and maybe not because we we do get it later. But we'll get there. Dodge cocks the gun again at checking Fairman's body to make sure he is dead. Fairman moves his eyes to look back at him. Back with Epps placing explosives on the side of the ship, Dodge comes down telling Epps that Fairman is dead. She tells him not to be so sure, and she explains that she is going to sink the ship. He asks about the gold, but uh, she is... Pr- uh, but she... What? what? Uh, she asks about the gold... He asks about the gold, but she's she's pretty much just like fuck the gold and continues working to detonate this ship. He cuts he cuts her off, trying to make it seem like they could have a life together, and if they uh, should take the gold for themselves. And it's like we could buy our own ship, just me and you. And she's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, like she she doesn't understand what he's talking about, and he is about to stop her, but she moves back, um, finger on the detonator. Dodge starts flipping out, telling her to uh, kill them all and blow it up. He turns around, asking Dodge, "Why haven't why haven't uh, he asked a?" Oh, she turns around, asking Dodge, "Why hasn't he asked about Munder?" He laughs, transforming into ferryman. He begins talking to to her about Katie, telling her about souls without sin cannot be marked. She she asks what he is. He tells her that he is like her, a salvager. 
This is where this also this seems really fucking cool to me. Claiming that she collects ships, he collects souls, filling his quota, sending them home. He continues saying that it is his job, and if he loses the ship, management won't be happy. He tries to make a deal with her, but she wants her crew back. Freeman tells her that he can't do that and kicks her into the water. <laughs> Starts bashing her into pipes and shit. It was, it was great. Uh, while trying to drown her, she, uh, she grabs one of the spike guns, stabbing him in the leg. She shoots the detonator, blowing the whole ship up, exploding Ferryman's body. All of the souls are, all the souls are swimming to the top. Um, Epps finds a way out of the boat, swimming alongside the souls, and they're all like swimming together in unison. <laughs> Katie floating as she smiles from her accomplishment. She makes it up to the to the top as all the dead folks turn into uh, the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis, dead people. <laughs> the ship is floating underneath the water as hundreds of souls are flowing towards the sky. Transition to Epps being awoken while floating on the suitcase by a huge cruise ship blowing its horn. Cut to the ambulance rushing towards the ship as she is uh, being brought out of the on a gurney by paramedics. They put her into the back. Her watching these men bringing in the boxes of gold onto the ship, onto a new ship. Lastly, Ferryman is walking behind them, Epps screaming no as the door shut. Then credits. Don't I re- love Ferryman. Don't forget yes. that gnarly alternative music that starts playing. I think it was the same song that Santos was listening to, wasn't it? I don't know. But I think it was. It man. could be, yeah. I think it Especially was. Especially when the slow motion door closes and stuff like that, too. Yeah. But I saw this is a little bit of a fun fact. It's her crewmates that go up on the ship with him. So I like is suits. it? Yeah, I, I was that until now. I was. I, was like, I don't think what? so. I don't think so. Yeah, because sure. I tried oh. looking to see if it was them, and I don't think it was. I don't think so. I, th- I think it might have been people who look similar, but I, I don't. I, I generally don't think it was them. Huh. Yeah, because I, I also thought like, oh, what if that's the case? But I don't I think it was. was her like crewmates. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I do want to say though, but, even though I didn't think it was the greatest choice uh, to have that gnarly music playing uh i loved it <laughs> <laughs> like perfectly concludes his movie <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i, I and i'm with you and, and i love ferryman though i love ferryman that he is like this this bringer of souls i like way. that idea and, too and the fact that he's the ferryman of death he's literally like the greek mythology of the ferryman and i thought that was just so clever that he's he's just death it made me confused though on why he wanted the gold he didn't he doesn't want the gold. The gold is so other people can um, have a reason to stay on the ship. Got it. And then, like, that's why he used the gold as leverage against his crew. But it would have been cool to see the crew be more against each other because of the gold. Right. And yeah. them kind of t- picking off each other versus them dying by one dying by a ghost, I guess. And I don't know. Munder might have died by a ghost, but we didn't see it. But one <laughs> died by a ghost. And that's it. But. It pisses me off. <laughs> like, like I really don't like the fact that Greer dies by a ghost and he's the fucking cheating black man yeah. who dies with absolute sin. Like, what? <laughs> Fuck off. That just, that just, you know what grinds my gears. <laughs> that does. The way Greer dies. It just, it's just, it's, it's not good. No. Like, it's just not good the it, way he dies. It but. sucks because I was thinking about when I was watching it, I was like, dude, like, uh, it's, People of color, especially like, cause uh, like when Santos died, or when I when Santos died, I thought Greer and Santos died. I'm like, yo, you you guys literally killed the only people of color in the movie, like just like that, right? Yeah. And Greer lives, but 
eventually. He lives, he lives longer than Santos, but yeah. he's the second one to die. But then yeah. I and I started thinking, and this is a whole other conversation that maybe we'll get to one get to one day. But I'm like, damn, like imagine, like I I can only imagine the feeling back then of like going for those characters, knowing that you'll be killed off, and it like I I you should watch horror noir. Yeah. Yeah, you should watch that documentary. Yeah, because people I, I, get pigeonholed into that. Yeah, and and they they have a pretty good conversation about that. Cool in horror noir, but um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I want to talk a little bit more about Ferryman, uh, really quick before we get into our movie facts. But uh, with Ferryman, it's interesting that he's like this because you you have this really in, like. I guess this construct that he has going on where all of this is kind of playing into his plan. But at the same time, he's kind of like Pennywise where he utilizes all these different things to attract them towards their fear and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really interesting that like he can like change his shape and all this other stuff. I kind of wanted to see him kill fucking Dodge, but like that would have been the first time we would have seen him kill someone, like yeah. physically exactly. kill someone, and like it, it, it sucks that, you know, like everyone kind of gets an on-screen kill except for Dodge and Murphy. I, yeah, I just think, like we said earlier, it had a lot more yeah, we potential. We see Murphy dead. Yeah, we see Dodge dead. Yeah, because I would have loved to see more ferryman just like kind of work his magic. Yeah, I mean, and you see it like he's the one locking the doors and shit, but it's just like. Yeah, it's Fucking, it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't either yeah. for me. But I, I like I said, I still have fun with this movie. I watch this movie quite religiously, actually. Maybe every every three or four years, I'll, I'll pop. Oh, nice. I thought you were about to say three to four months. I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> damn but shit! At I that point, like I'm a cult. <laughs> I love the fact that we got two versions of him this month as well. That's true. We did. Yeah. We definitely did. Yeah, and in both interesting concepts. Yeah. Um, but I got some movie facts for us here. Movie, movie facts. <laughs> The theatrical poster of Ghost Ship was inspired by the poster for Death Ship. They are literally the same. Wow. They are literally the same poster. It's very true. Well, they're not literally the same, but they are down close. Although not mentioned in the actual episode, the original Mythbuster, Adam Savage and Jamie um, Henneman, I don't watch Mythbusters, sorry, proved that a cable could not, in fact, cut a person in half, let alone an entire deck full of people on their uh, season four episode, Mythbusters, Killer Cable Snaps. How would you prove that? You try to kill somebody. <laughs> uh, many scenes filmed on board the Queen Mary whilst more, uh, <laughs> moored at uh, Long Beach, California and uh, used as a hotel. That's, I think that's so fascinating that most of the film is actually filmed inside the Queen Mary, uh, yeah. which you can still go to. You can actually, it's sleep a hotel. There. Like yeah. You can literally sleep there. Um, uh, the design for the Antonia uh, Graza was modeled after the Andrea Dor- Doria, a man's name, a real-life Italian ocean liner that also met a tragic fate. It sank in the 1950s after colliding with another liner. Contrary to this fact, the Antonia Graza actually shows a stronger resemblance to the Leonardo da, uh, da Vinci, a slightly altered and larger design, which replaced the Doria after she sank. Yeah, but don't make a mistake. It didn't hit an iceberg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> don't make any mistakes. Oh, here's that fact. Juliana Margulis disowned the film. Whoa, disowned. Wow. Disowned the film. I wish there was more to the fact. Me too. Yeah. I want to talk to her. I want to interview. I want to interview her. Get her on the I think, I think get her should, on the show. We should, we should probably try to get her on the horn. <laughs> shooting shooting took place in Gold Coast, Australia. Filming scenes set in the ocean was particularly intimidating for the cast and crew, as there was a rather large amount of shark activity at the time. 
sketch. I would have been like, yeah, bro, my contract's done. <laughs> like, fuck y'all. <laughs> so you better be giving me a real piece of gold. All right, last one here, everybody. Uh, Ghost Ship was allegedly conceived as The Shining on a cruise liner. In The Shining, the character Wendy Torrance says, like a ghost ship, when the manager Holman tells her how uh, deserted the Overlook Hotel will feel when all the guests and staff have gone away. Interesting. Like I said, I I felt the inspirations of The Shining a little bit in there, but, I mean, Katie totally was like the twins in a way, (laughs) but... It's interesting, but let us know what you guys think of Ghost Ship. Uh, let's keep this conversation going, but let us know over on Twitter at Nightlight underscore pod. That's night with a K. We want to definitely keep this conversation alive. Um, I Like I said, I think this movie's a blast. I even commented or had a tweet of about a month or so ago uh, from this episode releasing of how iconic that just that first kill is that, you know, just it's so magnificent. It's just it's honestly my top three. Wow. Top three cold opens of all time. Wow. Of all time. And it's just, it's so good. It very much seems like your taste, your taste, if that it makes sense. It is my taste. Yeah. No one's really yeah. talking. You know, you just kind of got this music playing. Everyone's kind of having a good time. And then, <laughs> like, it's just great. It's so good. Absolutely adore that scene. But let us know, everybody, what you think. But the, for the next month and movie that we're going to have coming up, we are going to be... Loving our moms, probably a little bit less this this month because it is Deadly Mother's Month, everybody, and also coined with "I'm Sorry, Mama." <laughs> I was very proud of that name, as I feel like I'm proud of most of these names. With you these. got yeah. great thematic names. Thank you. Thank you. I th- You're welcome. I think so too. I think so too. Thank you. I appreciate that. But the next movie that we are going to be starting that month with is going to be Carrie from 1976, which oh, I'm very excited boy. about. Very, very excited. Very quick David fact. Um, David fact? (laughs) I have a vivid memory of me being maybe like seven, walking into a room. and With Carrie playing? With Carrie playing at like when shit is going down. Oh, man, the prom scene? Are you having it? I think I like fainted. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) David Fack, let's bring those memories back. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. And alongside me, we had David. Always keeping it spooky. Always and forever, also known as Nightly. Other in there, we had Freddie. Thanks for having me. Always and forever also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's like what that was. By pledging on Patreon, you get access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with the post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlife.